Hello, everybody, and welcome back to DDK Pod, the podcast where three guys who founded an IT company talk IT industry news and topics that interest us. My name's Julian Day. With me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Jatinda Candola and Will Dalton. How are you doing, guys? I'm good, thank you. Hi, everybody. Good, thank you. Good, good. Right, okay, straight on with the news then. We've got quite a lot of bits and pieces to cover today. So first of all, come on, England. I guess. <laughs> yes. Oh, well done. Such passion. It's so, well, You're obviously a football follower. Yeah. I'm not a footballist. I'm going to say what that right now. What colour does England play in? White and red. Yes, well done. Well done. Most of the time, surely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're recording this on the Saturday before the final of the Euro Charity Shield Cup trophy. Brilliant, brilliant. What Stop do you talking. get, plate? Stop talking now. What, what do you get if you win it? It's a big trophy. You yeah. get a big trophy. It's a big trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, we, we <laughs> let's hope England win it. Hey, whatever it is, jolly good and all that stuff. So, so go, on, go on the English team. So the news then. First of all, I'm going to go first because we've got an exciting announcement. Yes, a DDK announcement. So DDK has hired somebody. I know, it's exciting. So Edgar Fernandez coming on board. Uh, he's going to do our or be responsible for most of our sales side of the business. So a big welcome to him. We're very much looking forward to working with him. And yeah, big news for the company, really. It's nice to be growing. Yeah, exciting times. We get him on the podcast as well. We will. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. we're definitely going to get him we on the podcast. We haven't actually communicated that to him yet, but I'm sure it'll be a nice surprise. <laughs> no, I told him yesterday. I, I <laughs> oh, said did to you? him. Okay, good. I said, yeah, yeah. I said it's basically mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point nice. at some point we'll get him on we need to get yeah. emma on as well at some point as well she's got a couple of topics that she's actually interested in talking about but yeah so uh, anyway we should do like a remote roaming one where we go out on the street we might have to do a james corden style in a range rover i am not doing there. anything in the style of james corden i can't stand that man i don't know how he's yeah. got as far as he... anyway look this is not Has he been oh. taken off american tv now or something i like do that. hope Has so because i just don't because he's annoying that's okay is it because he's really annoying it's probably uh, i think the novelty's worn off the cuddly kind of british comedian kind of thing doesn't last that long in america what worries me is that people think that's what we're really like like british yeah, people true. anyway right news so <laughs> back to the it industry rather than just dissing james corden will do you want to go next with your probably news story one of our listeners as well isn't he but he is i would not be at all surprised we <laughs> well, are very popular ex listeners yeah yes right uh why generation z Calls for online misinformation is the title of my article, or the article that I read on MIT Technology Review. So it provides an explanation to why misinformation or uh, bullshit, as it's as it's more widely known, <laughs> alternative facts, <laughs> alternative facts, yeah, alternative facts, yeah, that was that was the statement, was it? And why it gains such traction these days in society, i.e., it's believed by so many people, and apparently it's Generation Z's fault. Um, so that's the age between. <laughs> nine and 24 so the kids of generation x which is apparently my generation which is those between 1960 and 1980 i don't know where you two guys fall in maybe you're a different generation i'm whatever comes after that so 84 for me 83 okay all right i don't know what generation that is but generation y Y. i'm assuming could be why yeah (laughs) must be why i mean that's generally how the alphabet works (laughs) yeah yeah thank you yeah that's that is it we're good honestly so uh, influenced by people they relate to this kind of generation, you know, as opposed to the community or as opposed to professional, you know, journalists or, or publications that have, kind of, that have shared the same life experiences or trauma or, or whatever. You know, they, they share the same 
skateboard or, or whatever it is, i.e. it's all about identity. And it's social media that's promoting credibility based on identity rather than community. Arguably credibility on, based on a fake identity as well, because so much of what Could people be. portray yeah. on social media isn't real. Yeah, and, and it's sort of aspirational nonsense or, or you know is is you know people taking photos claiming to be on the beach when actually they're in the back garden with a yeah. with a sand pit yeah. and, and all bullshit. this kind of stuff bullshit. yeah yeah bullshit. literally yeah, yeah. but yeah. people made a career out of it it's yeah. it's fascinating yeah. was the article written by somebody who was older than 24 <laughs> by any chance i only read articles that are written <laughs> by people older than 24 oh dear it's a general That's... rule i have that's pretty ageist. You can't do that. But yeah, I mean, on a serious note, though, I mean, it sounds a little bit sort of curmudgeonly. But but yeah, I suppose it's well, growing maybe, up. With I that... don't think so because it's all really about it's all about identity. It's all about influencers. It's shifting away mm. from press or journalists or credible authors because of a variety of reasons. One of the reasons, I suppose, is the fragmentation of that market. Another reason yeah. is is the is the massive explosion of social media. And then you've got trust in influencers, which gives them the, the ability, if you like, to say any old bollocks, and but, yeah, but be believed. And very often they're paid to say a lot of stuff as yeah. well. So, so these days, Emma was on, on a rant yesterday about this with some of the people that she follows. And she said they've literally just become, they're not influencers anymore. They've become walking billboards for hire. Yeah. And she said basically they every post now from some of the people from Made in Chelsea and other things that she follows is just an advert. And they say, you know, they declare it's a paid advert, but they don't post anything really that's original content of their own anymore. It's all adverts or stuff that is clearly looking to get an advert, like putting a, a post up and then tagging in a company that you're interested yeah. in working yeah. with to try and get them interested in sponsoring you. It's just how they make yeah. a living. So yeah, it's, it's a whole Huge topic in this. Maybe interest, we should... isn't it? Huge mm, conflicts it of is. interest going on there. But it's an interesting yeah. article anyway. I'm not being ages, absolutely not. It's just <laughs> actually... <laughs> I know you're just, joking. It's just actually about... It's about social media. It's about influencers. It's about the conflict. It's about that whole structure and how much, how much influence ultimately it has in a whole generation of, generation of people. Cool, cool. Jatinda, did you want to go next? Yep. My news story is about America's Defense Department that has decided to pull the plug on a controversial cloud computing agreement. So they had awarded a 10 US billion dollar contract for something called Jedi, which is Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure to Microsoft in Good 2019. Name. Good name. They're pulling the plug. I think the only reason that they uh, they chose that name was because they wanted it. <laughs> they wanted it to spell <laughs> Jedi. Clearly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they on. have a Star Wars thing as well. Uh, the that, yeah, the Star Wars the um, program was the the yeah it was the satellite defense thing, wasn't it? That's right. I think yeah. But the reason they're pulling the plug is that Amazon sued them because they awarded it to Microsoft. Amazon cited that Microsoft did not have the necessary technical capabilities. There was a bit of an argument between Jeff Bezos and the then president, Donald Trump. They didn't really get along. However, the Pentagon's now decided on a different cloud architecture and has suggested they might buy technology from both Microsoft and Amazon as a concept. And Oracle, I think, as well, because Oracle also sued them. Oh, and wow. they've been battling tooth and nail for a long time with, with the US government. It's an interesting story, this one, I think, because it just, speaking as someone who works with cloud technologies an awful lot, it just strikes me as one of the most boneheaded things I've ever seen any, <laughs> any, anyone do. Because tying yourself to one cloud provider is absolutely mad because they excel at different <laughs> things, right? So if you're going to do you know, an office online type thing, 
obviously you're going to use Microsoft Office 365. You're not going to do LibreOffice on a bunch of Linux machines or something in, you know, in, in AWS. If you want to run serverless code, you know, Lambda was in as part of uh, AWS as one of the trailblazers, arguably the best place to do that sort of stuff. You know, if you want to federate digital identities, then Azure Active Directory is the best place to do it. So use Microsoft. It just makes no sense to limit yourself to one cloud provider like that. And that's what that whole contract was all about. I just, I've never understood why they thought it was a good idea. I suppose if you, if a cloud provider provides 80% of your workloads, do you know what I mean? It just is easier to go with a single provider. And then, and then you can make, you can then make decisions on your kind of niche products that require other things. Because remember, Office 365 isn't the only game in town. There's Google Workspaces, for example. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people use that as well. I get your point in terms of, you, do, you never really want to tie yourself to a single vendor. It's just a bad idea. However, mm. however, if it, if it, just, if it kills 80% of your problems or improves 80% of your productivity, do you know what I mean? There's an argument on both sides. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, fair, fair point. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always thought of it from a, uh, a product selection kind of point of view, but I suppose that's a yeah. fair point. Yeah, for sure. There's probably a hell of a lot of process and policy to follow to even award one of these yes, kind of... Yeah. Um, Single source lot, justification. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and and so you can see the sort of government procurement framework grinding up yeah. against the the reality of life on the internet, and it looks like that's finally caught up with them. Because one of the reasons they've said they're going to change away from that path now is because they've realised they do actually need to go with more than one provider. So it's it's interesting yeah. how it hasn't stacked up. But yeah, I take the point as well. Yeah, there are loads of other solutions out there but realistically with the sort of scale they're talking about i guess what i meant was it's likely that you would go with one of the most yeah, popular solutions there, I if you've got it if you've got microsoft office before why would you exactly you know easier migrations and so on anyway that's enough news for one day should we go on to the main topic jatinda you're leading us off today on uh, cryptocurrency and whether or not it's here to stay yep so in order to yes. answer that question <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yes right, done move on End of should podcast. we do recommendations and the podcast <laughs> <laughs> in order to answer that question, we probably need to look through a few <laughs> key points. So if we start off with me trying to explain a Wikipedia-like definition of what is cryptocurrency. JKpedia. And then Julian and Will can describe and explain what it is physically, how it's developed, what its purpose Shit, is. And then we'll really? Start. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, let me bring Google up. Someone hasn't done his homework. <laughs> no, no. So with cryptocurrency, what we can say is that it is a digital asset stored in a blockchain which is a computerized database of sorts. We'll come back to blockchain, I think, a little bit later on. Yeah, definitely. However, it has a strong cryptography that is assigned a value and it can be exchanged between two parties using digital currency exchanges. So cryptocurrencies aren't typically issued by central authorities and they use decentralized control. Bitcoin was the first decentralized cryptocurrency released back in 2019. However, now there are over 10,000 different cryptocurrencies listed and they have a huge total market capital share. I don't actually know how to read this figure out, but in US dollars, it's a 13-figure sum. Wow, big. Mega big. Yeah. <laughs> what is cryptocurrency physically and how is it developed? So essentially, I guess you have to understand what the blockchain is really to be able to, to understand this. The simplest definition that I, I have heard of blockchain is essentially that it is a self-replicating register that is held all over the world, decentralized. So it's not one database sitting in one place, heavily guarded. It's 
a very decentralized register that's copied to everybody who has an interest in the blockchain. So essentially, you've got the entire register on your machine and it updates every time there's a new transaction, everybody gets a copy of that transaction. And what that means is that everybody can trust it because if everybody's got the same register all over the world, they can cross check it against other people's registers to make sure there's no corruptions or problems with it or anything else. But also no, no one person owns it. So there's no risk that somebody's going to hack into sort of the central database on some big mainframe somewhere, as you might think of in a traditional architecture like that of a, of a bank's payment system or something like that. Essentially, it's managed and owned by the people of the internet, effectively. So it's, it's very anonymous and it's a sort of zero trust kind of model, which is much more popular these days, where there, there is no sort of an administrator. It's just, it's just you volunteer to be a part of maintaining the blockchain and then you have a copy of that register and it then copies on from you and so on and so forth. So will that blockchain exponentially grow or can is it limited in, in terms of the size of the database? In theory, because you're distributing it all over the world uh, to millions of machines all over the place, it can grow forever. It grows in theory. and grows and grows and grows. Yeah. I like to think of blockchain as a ledger and it's often described as that. It, it is a ledger, yeah, yeah for which sure. It's basically like you've got a book in accountants and you're just like recording every single transaction. You know, you just yeah. get another book, just carry on and on and on. The important thing is it is goes on forever because each item in your ledger is cryptographically signed if that if that actually makes yeah. sense but sort of yeah. trust trust the previous item in the ledger do you see what i mean yeah. and that one trusts right, the previous yeah. one so this is whole kind of chain of trust that exists in the ledger which makes it really powerful because it means that you can't then alter previous transactions without destroying the whole ledger and everyone would know about it and that's why blockchain is really powerful and that's the key point as well isn't it because when you write something in the book unlike in a traditional accountant or whatever where they just scribble in the book and then put it on a shelf the difference is when you write in your book it writes in everyone else's book at the same time as well so every yes. other copy yeah. of the blockchain ledger is updated at the same time as your ledger is updated by you with your transaction. So yeah. you, can't, you can't fiddle with it because it's, all, it's instantly all over the world. It's impossible for you to tamper with that or claim ownership over something that somebody else owns because everyone else knows you're lying <laughs> yeah. because there's no yeah. centralized record. So you can't hack it. It's Great it's for identity. Great for ide decentralized identity. Go onto our website and read a blog on decentralized identity. So that is just removing this single authority of identity where you go to mm. log on to somewhere and somewhere says, yes, I believe you, I don't, you know, your yeah. password matches or not. Decentralized identity is basically you own the identity and you can go on to anything across the internet and it uses blockchain. There's a real irony to it as well that because the, the blockchain allows for that decentralized identity and yet actually mm. what it, which is beautiful in a way, but, but ironically it's ended up with creating one of the most an anonymized? Is that the right word? It's created a, a currency where anonymity is king, despite the fact that it, yeah. it, it it does that whole stuff around decentralized identity, which is sort of ironic in a way. Anyway, sorry, JK, carry on. I was just going to ask, will it take a whole lot of processing power and very large, powerful computers to be able to kind of handle these kind of transactions? And yeah. So that is a problem with the blockchain. I was going to come on to this at the end, but we might as well cover it now since you've raised it. So there is a problem with it in the sense that it's very slow in comparison to some other traditional techniques with centralized records management. So one comparison that I found, which was quite interesting, is that Visa, so obviously one of the biggest credit card and debit card providers in the world, their payment network, I think in the US, maybe but globally, but certainly in the, in the US at least, can handle up to 24,000 transactions a second. Yeah. Bitcoin, which is obviously the biggest cryptocurrency, which is what we're talking about today using blockchain as its underpinning technology, 
seven transactions <laughs> a second. Oh, wow. So yeah. imagine <laughs> if we were all trying to use Bitcoin instead of cash, which is what it yeah. was originally intended for. And, you know, <laughs> you, you're not just talking orders of magnitude, you know, you're talking yeah. like a different galaxy in terms of the, yeah. the speed of transactions. And that's because the blockchain ledger has to propagate around the world. As soon as you make a transaction, everyone else has to get a copy of it. And that takes time whether you like it or not. Okay. So what is the purpose of cryptocurrency then? And has that purpose been changed since it's been in existence? The best thing I found was, um, and spoilers, by the way, for the recommendation section of the show, because there's a Netflix documentary called Explained, which I'm going to recommend later. I won't go into it now, but they do an episode on cryptocurrency and they summarize it beautifully in the intro. I wasn't sure if I was allowed to use the audio, so I'm just going to read the quote, but not as well as Christian Slater, who's the narrator, does. Do you ever feel like you're being watched by big corporations, banks, the government? Companies you've never even heard of. Escaping that was the original promise of the first cryptocurrency Bitcoin, the beautiful anonymity of cash, but cash that wasn't printed by governments. Instead, it was made by a bit of code powered by citizens of the internet, and you could trust it. So that's what cryptocurrency is really all about. It's, mm. it's that decentralized thing. It's not trusting big corporations, governments, banks, huge institutions. It's sort of putting the, the currency in the hands of the people, I suppose, the citizens of the internet. And it's also worth saying that, you know, it, it was incredibly successful in a very short amount of time. So by the end of 2017, the market capitalization was as big as the banks that it was standing against. So it was worth slightly more than the Bank of America and ever so slightly less than JP Morgan Chase. In 2017, this was. Yeah. before Elon Musk's tweets and the other things will come on to. So, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's mostly a case that the lasting use case and appeal of cryptocurrency is that it allows for what the majority of it has been spent on, which is anonymously buying illegal shit, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. But that's why it's taken off, because yeah. it's... Yeah, it's anonymous, effectively. Or non-fungible tokens. Uh, well, we're going to, yeah, those are not the same thing as cryptocurrency, but yeah, they are also no, you interesting. you buy them, use them, you, you buy them. In indeed, them. indeed. Anyway, sorry, carry on, JK. The next thing I was going to cover off was to talk about what are the advantages of crypto in comparison to traditional currency formats? And I'm just going to rattle through a list of six, I think some of which we've kind of already covered. But one of the things it allows you to do is eliminate fraud risk to some extent because it's impossible to counterfeit crypto and you can't reverse past transactions. It provides anonymity for your transactions so customers can decide exactly what they want the sellers to know about them. It reduces operating costs in the sense that it's free from exchange and interest rates as well as transaction charges. It offers immediate transactions that can go across different locations and geographies. It ensures an immediate pool of potential customers because you can make business with those that don't have access to traditional currencies and exchange resources, and it doesn't restrict market trading. Also, it provides security for the funds. So since it is a decentralized system, there is no big brother type of figure or institution that can seize or freeze your assets, which could work both ways, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So that's potentially one of the major disadvantages as well, depending on your perspective on how much overreach people have. But there are cases where requesting data about somebody's accounts or whatever, for example, in the case of a kidnapping, for example, something like that, sometimes looking at someone's bank transactions to see if they've been spending anything on their card in the last half hour or something is incredibly useful people like law enforcement. And obviously with cryptocurrency, you can't do any of that. There's no one you can serve the, the warrant against to say, 
can I have a look, please, and see, you know, if this person's spending stuff. It doesn't work that way. So I think the next thing would be worth exploring is the different types of cryptos that are out there and what the, the kind of things that distinguish them against each other. Given that there's over 10,000, we won't be covering all of them. <laughs> Let's do them all. <laughs> but if one of you want to talk a little bit about Bitcoin as the most famous one, that will probably be the best starting point. Yeah, so I mean, Bitcoin is, is, was the original one and, and arguably it was also the thing that the blockchain was developed to support. So it's been enormously influential. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff out there about Bitcoin, so I won't go on about it for ages. We can talk later on about some of the implications of the way that, that currencies like Bitcoin are set up. There have been recent stories about Bitcoin as well and the volatility around Bitcoin. Um, so obviously, I mentioned it a minute ago, but Elon Musk or Elon Musk and his tweets that he put out when he decided that people could start buying his Tesla cars with uh, Bitcoin and Dogecoin, which are the two big ones that he was involved with. And the the rock, the value of the currency, the market capitalization of the currency shot up by, was it like yeah. 4 billion or something when he put out a tweet going, yeah, you can buy a Tesla with it now. And then yeah. a few weeks later, he said, oh, actually, you can't buy a Tesla with it now. And <laughs> um, and the, the, the value shot back down again. So one tweet you know, was worth 4 billion in that sense. And yeah, you know, it's it's just massive. It's everywhere. But um, between that and the, the crypto mining stuff, which we can come on to, it's, it's just the biggest, really. It's the biggest and the most famous and the one that's the most widely accepted, I think. Yeah. It's hugely volatile, isn't it? Compared when, mm. Where we talk about exchange rates to actually old digital money or, or currency. It's been worth nothing and then it's worth millions. It swings and roundabouts. So as Julian says, if one tweet from one person has such an impact on the currency. You know, that sort of highlights the volatility of the currency, doesn't it? In fairness, it, I don't think Elon Musk is a standard person <laughs> in more ways than yeah. one. Well, it doesn't really matter, standard or otherwise. If I held Bitcoin, I wouldn't want my the value of what I had to be influenced by some random in a tweet. Well, I think you would, because if it went up by four billion, you'd probably well, be thinking, I would, "Hooray!" No, I wouldn't, because what goes up comes down. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's I'd true, want, that's I true. want absolute stability in knowing, mm. and that's and that's the point of currency. That's what gives currency credibility is stability. People invest in countries that have a currency that is hugely stable. No one really legitimate is going to invest in a country that. Imagine a country that says, okay, I'm going to ditch pound sterling and we're now just going to use Bitcoin. I doubt you get some Wild West investors, but it wouldn't be a stable country. No, mm. I mean, I think um, obviously, you know, big, big currencies like, you know, the dollar and others can be influenced by a single person. Like if the president puts out a tweet like happened within Donald Trump's tenure and, and other things. But but yeah, you've got a point. I think it's the size of the swings that's different with things like Bitcoin. You know, someone putting four billion on the value of something by tweeting, you can buy a car with it albeit someone who's very rich and influential and, and known throughout the world. Influencer, you say. It's too, well, I mean, he actually is an influencer. He's not advertising stuff. He's, you know, he, he actually is influencing the, the face of the, you know, the planet effectively by, by doing something like that. But yeah, it's, it's the fact that there's such big ripple effects, such big swings in these things. They're so volatile that in the end he had to actually get out because he was like, oh man, hang on a minute, if we're accepting Bitcoins for our cars and they're suddenly worth nothing because someone manages yeah. to crash the economy we're going to end up holding the proverbial for this so we we need to not do it after all i guess the interesting thing has been that in the last few months as all of this has played out with elon musk's involvement and how he bought bitcoin as a transaction underneath tesla so it wasn't him personally tesla invested in bitcoin mm. there were other companies starting to flock to, to that as well so there, there is an organization called arc investments which is seem to be like a, um, 
financial experts in America for, for trading and investments. They also backed Bitcoin at that point. So other exports started to, to kind of jump onto the bandwagon, but they are still claiming to this day that they see Bitcoin reaching a value of 100,000 American dollars per coin. But currently, it's at 33,850 today, pretty much. And it's got to there exponentially over the last kind of year, pretty much. It's just kind of rocketed. But they bought millions themselves. So it started all of these trends in terms of people. Difficult to know, though. If they, are they, you know, it's the old traditional talking up your stocks, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Talking the price up. It's really difficult, though. If I, if, that, seems a, that seems a huge conflict of interest. That a, mm. uh, a, an investment firm who holds a significant stock <laughs> of bitcoins is saying, "Yeah, bitcoins is going to be worth. It's going to be worth me- yeah. mega bucks. You should get in now, yeah. Yeah. or everyone mm. buy it." It's like, hang on, no. yeah. I mean, you got to you got to take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. What's also interesting though is Libra, right? Which is the Facebook thing. So they are trying to create a cryptocurrency or a, a group of cryptocurrencies, I think, uh, that's backed one to one with the US dollar. So that you don't have this mad swinging around all over the place. Um, mm. But they've obviously had a lot of con- controversy. And because they're a giant company that not a lot of people trust, you know, people are going, but the whole point of cryptocurrencies is they're supposed to be decentralized. And you are the pu- yeah, literally the er example <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of yeah. not being decentralized. Yeah. You could possibly Trust imagine us. like you are the worst people to be doing this. <laughs> but at the same time, talk they've... about it. But what is the benefit to like the, the, the normal person in the street? Why, why would I have a Bitcoin? Because when I think about how I pay for stuff now, it's basically I've registered my card on my phone and I just do all my transactions through my phone. Like, for, for example, Google Pay, but other, other, <laughs> other um, apps exist. Now, if I replace that with, say, for example, Bitcoin, and I'm buying things using Bitcoin, it's the same kind of user experience, isn't it? As far as the end user is concerned, why would I care that it's Bitcoin or pounds? or I don't really care that. What the, what the currency is behind Google Pay, what I care about is making a payment as easy as, as, easy as possible and not having lots of notes and coins in my, in my pocket. Well, there's, there's two reasons I can think of. So one is that it's as anonymous as cash. So if you want yep. to go and buy illegal stuff... <laughs> <laughs> then yep. it's a great okay. way to do it because yep. it's not, not attributable. In, yep. Well, and it, it, yeah, nobody can get your records off of Google Pay or your bank, you know, yeah. and, and you see that you were on data. some. Yeah, you you were on some dark web website buying yourself a bag <laughs> of weed or something or whatever. It you know, doesn't matter what but it let's is. Say, let's say we're not all criminals. <laughs> well, one out of three ain't one. bad. <laughs> Which I like to think I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but the other thing is, you know, the man on the street is interested or has been interested in investing in it because, you know, there are people who put 200 quid in years ago and have now own a yacht, right. you know, or investment whatever. Investment vehicle, yeah. though. So purely yeah. as an investment vehicle. Like I mean, I'm, stock, I'm exaggerating. Like a, like a bond. But pe- people like have cleared their mortgages off off like a £200 investment, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, just incredible. It. I guess the other appeal of, of using it is that it opens up access to people that may not be able to get a bank account at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. if your credit rating's bad, you can still use yeah. it because it's basically okay. cash. It's not exactly. it's not a credit-related thing. It's not like a credit card yeah. or, or something where you have to go through a big applications process and, and have all your... that's probably much more of a thing across the world, statistically, in terms of the number of yeah. people that don't have bank accounts yeah, yeah. compared to the people yeah, that yeah. do. So. And it's available wherever the internet's available as well. So yeah. if you live in like a really exactly. rural part of some country where, you know, you can get to the internet, but you can't get to a bank or something, and so you don't have a like traditional bank live. account, 
Well, yeah, like Yorkshire. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> the blasted hellscape that is Yorkshire, yeah. I hope we don't have Yorkshire listeners. <laughs> we've, lost, we've lost them anyway. Oh, no, it's a beautiful part of the world. I'm only joking. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. But yeah, so if you're somebody who hasn't got access to either credit or hasn't just got access to banking services, you can sign up and use this as cash online. Whereas uh, what else are you going to do? You can't feed the notes in your pocket into your computer, you know, Mm -hmm. in order to to, to do it. So it's a convenient way of um, enabling you to have some digital currency. So it brings in a whole set of new users doesn't it but don't go don't go for the more traditional banking because i suppose banking now is all online anyway hence why all branches are being closed you when was the last time you you or i went into a into a branch you know that months and months ago you can do it all online but i suppose you still need to register to be part of a bank don't you you still need to prove your your worthiness if you like for for holding a bank account whereas with bitcoin potentially it's much more accessible by a much wider set of people much more open and embracing which Mm. is which sounds a really good thing actually a really positive thing yeah there are definitely some some benefits some socioeconomic benefits as well as a lot of disbenefits to this we are running a little short on time chap so i think we need to wind it up a little bit so should we talk uh, legislation briefly and all that kind of stuff and and government side crypto and then um go into maybe the environmental stuff as well i think those are the two things we should cover off Sounds good. So in terms of government crypto, UK government has announced that they're launching a tax task force uh, with the Treasury and the Bank of England to examine whether they could set up a so-called central bank digital currency. So it's a currency that will just be a digital currency more than a crypto because it won't be decentralized. Uh, it will be held with the banks. However, it will eliminate paper money. It will create e-money tokens. And it will allow people to clear transactions without the need for central bank involvements and having settlement services and that the transfer of ownership of that tokenized e-money pound happens instantly and seamlessly between people rather than going through middlemen and uh, different organizations. transfer thing. It's a bit like that, yeah. Yeah, but but even more sort of... um quick and anonymized you sort of lose that you know the real benefit of embracing lots more people you 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 sort of the 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 benefit of embracing a lot more people and the fact that it's decentralized anonymous disappears for that kind of model doesn't it Mm. and actually actually what is the benefit that also leads into the legislation side of things though because there are a lot of governments now that are trying to crack down on cryptocurrency trading as well so there's you know there's crypto has been used in ransomware attacks in the past um, you know, governments are taking notice. They're real, you know, like the use case that I outlined earlier, where you might have a legitimate uh, need, you know, to to try and protect someone's life or whatever by requesting data from their bank, and you can't do it mm. because they're, you know, they're on cryptocurrencies. Stuff like that is um, is something that they're trying to wrap their heads around, I think. But as usual, it's a current common topic on these podcasts, isn't it? But as usual, the legislation and the governance is way behind the technology. It's tracking always, so far always. behind. Yeah. 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 So it's the same old thing all over again. And then do we want to talk mining as well? I think that's probably important as in Bitcoin mining. So I think there's an environmental impact that's worth talking about and an impact into other industries of cryptocurrencies as well. So the mining of cryptocurrency has nothing to do with digging metals out of the earth. Well, although it kind of is in a roundabout way, but we'll come back to that. So cryptocurrency mining is effectively the process of rewarding people on the network for validating transactions. So essentially, if you do loads and loads and loads and loads of processing for 
for the Bitcoin people, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the ledger, effectively. If you do enough of it, and if you calculate a particular thing, which is called a hash, uh, I won't go into all the details of it, we could do a separate deep dive on this at some point if we wanted to, you can get rewarded with a Bitcoin, basically a new Bitcoin. So you can, this is effectively how Bitcoins are minted. They're not minted by a central authority, they're minted by people doing this Bitcoin mining. And people realize that because obviously the value of Bitcoins is going up all the time, you're effectively generating not free money because you have to have the infrastructure in place to do all that processing, but you can mm. you can earn a lot of money by doing this. And what this has meant is that demand for certain types of components within certain types of computer has rocketed through the roof, which meant, means that production has rocketed through the roof, which means that the environment is getting absolutely wrecked as a result of this. So for example, the big graphics card manufacturers, people just discovered early on in crypto mining that actually graphics cards, which are used to uh, process billions of transactions a second in order for video games and graphics, you know, like, like CGI for films and things to be rendered on the screen, were actually the most efficient vehicles for doing cryptocurrency mining. And so millions of graphics cards all over the world have been sold. In fact, at the moment, they're pretty much sold out all over the place because in no small part of Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency mining. And obviously creating the, the silicon and the chips and mining all the metals, uh, the rare earth metals and other things that go into the manufacture of components like this, the lack of proper recycling for them and pushing production through the roof has a, has a massive impact on the environment, particularly- And the in, energy um, as well, isn't it? And the, the energy. energy. Yeah, sorry. Yes, the energy. But even as I've talked about in a previous podcast, the amount of water that you go through to generate these, these chips, which is then unusable because it's so contaminated, is enormous. And it's pushed the demand for stuff like this through the roof. And it's come at the same time as auto manufacturers like Tesla are starting to turn their cars into gaming PCs and so on and so forth. You know, so you've got these, these, this perfect storm gaming really PCs around. in a car. Yeah, uh, the, the new Tesla models that have just come out can play AAA games. Uh, no. So is it like on the windscreen while you're going? <laughs> no, no, no. It's on the big the big infotainment screen. And then you've got a second screen in the back that your kids can play on. Yeah. But yeah, so they're, they're powerful enough PC architectures inside these cars now to play things like Cyberpunk, which just came out six months ago. It's amazing, really. And minor currency. Every auto manufacturer <laughs> these days is doing this kind of stuff, you know, and having mm. all these flashy infotainment systems. And that combined with the peak in crypto mining is absolutely pushing demand through the roof. And it's having a devastating impact on the environment, particularly in poorer countries. So it's worth highlighting that there are some pretty big impacts to the rise of crypto, particularly Bitcoin. So I think we could just wrap up there in terms of, is it here to stay? What do you guys reckon? Oh, as we said at the beginning, yeah. <laughs> so I think that um, it is here to stay. However, I think that the governments will try to come out with their kind of bastardized e-currencies Bastard that will Im impact it. <laughs> I detect a note of cynicism in your voice there, Jatin. <laughs> and and I think that the e-currency kind of game is going to be a bigger kind of thing for now anyway, where they're trying to push out ways in which to eliminate fraud, tax avoidance, money laundering that we can associate to tangible cash and transactions through central banks. So I think that it, because it's volatile, that lack of guarantee and governance is, is something that will kind of work against it uh, for now. But hopefully, if continue, companies still continue to embrace it the way they have, and the fact that it's still growing, uh, although that like the, the rates are quite volatile and they change all the time, given the 24-7 trading, it's something that has a rippling impact and we won't be able to escape going forwards i agree uh, it's yeah. here to stay for sure i think i think it's the future but there's a lot to work sure out I, don't, I can't really see beyond being a uh, beyond being a criminal i can't really see the advantage <laughs> i can see the advantages actually in terms of 
proper um, distributed cryptocurrency where accessibility, you know, you're drawing yeah. a whole set of people that usually don't have traditional bank account, like the sort of like the mobile industry did for for the African continent, a lot of the countries yeah. within Africa. You know, they didn't have the underlying infrastructure of telephones or that shit. They sort of bypassed it and mobile introduced a whole set of like communication and trading and internet access for them. I think cryptocurrency has got a very big social play there if it works. Mm. There are so many negatives on it though. Mm. Um, it, 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 do you know what I mean? And I can also see it being used in back-end system-to-system trading where you're just yeah. electronically you know, trading mm. currency and as an investment vehicle and all the rest of it. The way you kind of described it as being this, the next prime use case for people with a phone in terms of what yeah. you can do with your phone, like mm. people have mastered social media, but then being able to do transactions and become yeah. a yeah. person that makes money from your phone and, and just having the accessibility mm. to different markets. That might be the, the thing that kind of brings it to the fore. I think you're right to say that I was a little bit wrong in what I said, Will. I think I don't think cryptocurrency is necessarily the future, but I think the future is cashless. Yeah. So I, I think we will get oh, rid definitely. of physical definitely. money. And about time too. Except in Yorkshire, except in the pub <laughs> above my house, which still uses like potatoes for trading. Uh, yeah, honest, indeed. You know, one pint, two potatoes. Now who's being rude about Yorkshire? <laughs> I say that in a nice way. I mean, I, I don't think they're going anywhere, these cryptocurrencies. So I mean, they're part of the future. I don't think they are. They're going to replace credit anytime soon or anything like that. Anywho, we have run over time again. So uh, let's go on to the recommendations and keep them reasonably brief. In terms of recommendations, I'll go first with mine because I've already mentioned it. So I might as well get it out of the way. So there is a Netflix show. I promise I'll stop doing Netflix shows every every time. But um, <laughs> it was particularly pertinent to this one because there was an episode. You love Netflix. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Hashtag influencer, hashtag trying to get a deal with Netflix. So uh, cryptocurrency is an episode, episode five of a series called Explained. So Explained is a series of short documentaries. I actually got into them because they are very short. They're like, you know, maximum about 15 minutes, I think, something like that. And they're on all sorts of completely random topics. And I have started watching them while I'm cooking on my little Alexa show thing in the kitchen. Mm hmm. And they're fascinating. So the, the first season goes from the racial wealth gap to designer DNA to why monogamy exists to K-pop to cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it literally just dances between all sorts of different things. Uh, there's one on the female orgasm. There's one on political correctness, awesome. uh, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes through all these things. There's two seasons of it. And then there's a bunch of spin-offs around mm. topics like the mind, around elections, around money, specifically uh, sex as well. There's like a five episode mini series on sex. What's also interesting is that they're narrated by very famous people a lot of the time. So the one I mentioned on political correctness, that's narrated by Jerry Springer, because who better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. There's ex-Star Trek actors. As I said, the cryptocurrency episode, which is very good, uh, is narrated by Christian Slater. You've got uh, Rachel McAdams in there, Carl McLaughlin, Carly Rae Jepsen, J.K. Simmons, uh, all sorts of famous people uh, who, who just come in as a guest to narrate one episode. So yeah, uh, it's called Explained. It's on Netflix, available on UK Netflix, along with the, the mini-series that dive into things like money and other stuff. Go watch the cryptocurrency one, because it's quite interesting. Will, do you want to go next? Following on from your... Brilliant explanation of the Euro 2020 football championships. That's football stroke soccer. Yeah, I could. we could tell. We could tell. <laughs> Hooligans. <laughs> um, so Panini, Panini 2020 Euro sticker album. Okay. Yeah. So now that I'm Classic. 50. <laughs> Classic. Now that I'm 50, I, I've decided to try and complete 
a, a sticker <laughs> album by Panini, which is probably one of the most difficult things beyond understanding the chaos theory to do in life. Panini is an, I think it's an Italian company. And basically every major event, every major sporting event, especially, I think, it, I don't know whether it's specifically football, actually, or across it. You basically have an album of all the teams and a little space to put your, to put stickers in of all the players. This is football stickers. Uh, there was yeah, a football yeah. stickers craze when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah even it's been I had one. forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Diehard yeah. football super fan yeah, that I am. Yeah, so as I said, I'm 50. I'm going to actually try and complete an album now isn't that going to cost you like 700 quid on ebay right right <laughs> it's the most impossible thing to do because obviously because you'd you have to buy a million free. booster packs and then just keep opening them and opening them and opening them until you or get you everything go you to need the local school gates and trade with That's other kids what, yeah, yeah. Or be yeah maybe, maybe don't yeah, do yeah, that will yeah. <laughs> so i've sent out i've sent out obviously you need friends for this to work yeah. because you're left with a big pile of stickers, you know, because you've already got the sticker and you're left with duplicates. I've now got 150 duplicates and I'm still about 150 short on my sticker album. Yeah. yeah? So um, I've been, have I've you been got any call- of the star players? Have you got your Harry Kane sticker? Yeah, I've got, I've got some good players. Why have you got any Panini stickers? I haven't got any, but they're the hardest ones to get. They put less of the Cristiano Ronaldo stickers out so that yeah, it's harder yeah, to get them. Yeah. Because they're probably going to have like a golden frame around them and stuff mm. on there. Yeah. So this model is very familiar to anyone who plays a game called Magic the Gathering, which is a nerdy card game. And there are two ways you can kind of approach it. So one is to buy boxes and boxes and boxes and then recoup some of the cost by selling all the duplicates and the rare ones that you don't need. So mm. if you've got Harry Kane, you could sell Harry Kane on eBay and and potentially recoup some of the cost of all the booster packs yeah, yeah for, for a bitcoin yeah. indeed and the other way to do it is obviously then to just go and buy all the stickers that you yeah. need or hang out or yeah. hang out outside schools and who knows which one's more expensive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously yeah. hanging so, out hanging out outside schools is the most expensive option because you'll you'll yeah. end up in prison well exactly especially me so yeah anyway it's, it's 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 great fun but incredibly frustrating and very expensive great recommendation <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> to Tinder. Um, so bringing it back to Netflix and cryptocurrency, I have been watching a drama series called Startup, which is about three very random people that come together to set up a cryptocurrency uh, using... They're going to say an IT company for a minute. Yeah, I was like, yeah, shit, I should thought, we demand yeah. royalties? <laughs> Hang on. Is this us? It could be, actually. I think that we do relate to the characters a little bit. There's somebody very flash. <laughs> there's an ethnic person. And then there's somebody right. very smart. So uh, okay, I think so that that's who a good, good No, no, no. We don't have time for that. <laughs> I'm obviously the flash person. I'll be the ethnic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a good... Check it out. Uh, it's it's a, a really good kind of uh, docu-series. I can't help but feel that if somebody f- did film us, they, we'd end up filed next to The Office or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Under cringe. Yeah. I think, chaps, that's the show. So thanks very much. Uh, Really interesting chat all around the crypto stuff and everything. Uh, Once again, welcome to Edgar. Glad you're joining the DDK crew. Um, Thank you to Charlie for editing this. Sorry, it's really long again. Um, Promise we won't (laughs) do this every week, but we're covering some pretty big topics. No, you love it. (laughs) At the moment. Uh, Thanks to both of you guys. If you want to reach out to the show, we're available on ddkpod at ddklimited.com. That's ddkpod at ddklimited.com with limited spelled out in full. On Twitter, we are ddklimited. And on LinkedIn, we are Dalton Candola. So it just remains for me to say a final thank you to you guys, and uh, we'll see the rest of you in a month. Thanks very much. Uh, and send me an email if you've got any Panini stickers. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to make it. <laughs> I will. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 
Only 150 to go. You know, <laughs> Panini, um, they, you can actually now, Panini will send you 50 of your missing stickers, obviously, oh. for, a, for a price. So they'll yeah. actually send you those stickers. But, but you still have, no, it's, it's actually a, the same price, even, I yeah. think, actually a little cheaper. But even getting to the fact that there's 50 is going to be really hard. Yeah. Well, can't you just get three different people to do it on your behalf and get your 150? I thought about that. I, I thought about that. I'm get sure they'll tie it to something. Yeah, they'll tie it to... Well, like, he's at a um, different address, so they're not going to know, are they? Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe you need an album or... I don't know. You this know, is album far too involved, this whole thing. <laughs> 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 You're mad. Uh, yeah.